Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with John Beatty. John is a mountaineer, global adventurer, humanitarian, and keynote speaker who has climbed the tallest mountain on all seven continents, including Mount Everest. He's also been struck by lightning, been attacked by a five-foot iguana, and gone swimming with great white sharks. His travels have taken him to more than 70 countries, and he's survived every classification of natural disaster. Through it all, John's core message to the kids he speaks to and teaches is that we live by the strength of our morals and values, not by our accomplishments. His new book is called The Warrior Challenge, Eight Quests for Boys to Grow Up with Kindness, Courage, and Grit. This is an action-packed guide filled with comic book artwork, interactive elements, and amazing stories from real-life heroes. John teaches us how we can help our kids figure out their own path to becoming a man, forget about fear, and become the strongest versions of themselves. For John, even though he's done all kinds of super manly stuff all over the world, being a man isn't about just being a tough guy. It's also about accepting your vulnerability and setting and enforcing good boundaries. Really excited to talk to John today about how we can help our teenagers to develop healthy sense of masculinity and figure out what being a man means to them. John, thank you so much for coming on the show today. The book is The Warrior Challenge, Eight Quests for Boys to Grow Up with Kindness, Courage, and Grit. And there's eight amazing stories in here from really cool guys throughout history doing some really awesome stuff. And also, there are lessons that you can learn, but also tactics that you can apply to really start to think about who you want to be, what being a man means to you, and how you can you know, navigate through childhood and adolescence to develop a healthy sense of masculinity. So I'm super excited to hear about, you know, how this came about. This is not your first book. You've been doing this before. So what, how did you get into doing this and what inspired this particular book? Yeah, those are great questions. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I'll say right off the bat that if anybody's listening who's not a guy, this is just as important as a conversation so that you can understand the guys who are in your life and understand what they're up to and what they're dealing with in the world. So why did this book come about? There were two stories that collided. I wanted to write, write a book that was here's how to basically be a badass <laughs> as a guy. Like, here's how to crush it at everything you do in life which is you know, what we call a really masculine energy, right? Well, the publisher, Penguin Random House, their intention was they didn't want essentially a, a Me Too 2.0 to happen in the future. Yeah. So their angle was, how do we raise a generation of young men who 
appreciate, understand, and respect others who aren't the same as them and navigate through the world with a healthy understanding of women and people who are, are not of the same sexuality or race. All that was, that was their primary motivation. Yeah. And the more I understood that and researched and, and grasped what they were coming from, I was like, yes, this is so needed <laughs> and important. And the more that they understood and like took time to listen to why yeah. I think that like guys still need to have this sense of like, getting stuff done <laughs> the more that we understood that like the stronger book it became and yeah. so it doesn't say like just eliminate everything that makes a, a guy a guy classically but it says how do you use this strength and power that you have to improve the lives of others and to look after yourself in a great way and to look after those who are in your world with all these natural strengths that guys are born with What would you say are those natural strengths? I think that guys grow up with an, an, a sense of power that they need to do, like they need to act, they need to do something. And mm -hmm. we all have it within us to protect. Um, and so when I, I guess when I say natural strengths, I more mean like these energies that, that we have or these inclinations. Previously in cultures, we had this, these rites of passages, right? Yeah. Where go hunt a lion and that'll prove that you're a man. Yeah. Go tie yourself to a palm tree <laughs> and jump down. And you have some great uh, examples in here, I thought, of some really interesting kind of rites of passage from different cultures. And those, those were the training wheels for here's what to do with these natural strengths or these, these energies that guys are, are born with. Like we have this thing that we want to do. We want to like have a task, a mission, a mountain to climb, or something Go to conquer hunt. something. You conquer it. Gotta yeah, do it. Have, yeah. And we threw out the baby with the bathwater because we got rid of these rites of passages. Yeah. But we also threw out the, the point of them because now, like jumping out of a tree with a vine tied around your leg, that doesn't serve any purpose. You're just kind of like silly. Well, then <laughs> it was like, can you can you hunt animals and bring back food for the for the people. And if not, well, you're not good here. You're dead weight. Yeah. Well, what are the challenges that are facing our culture today? And how do we raise young men so that they can handle themselves against these challenges and still look after others? And so that's what these eight quests are all about. This book teaches, how do you step up as a man? How do you be self-aware to understand what's really going on in yourself and also to understand how you're impacting others? What are the values that you're going to live by? Are you courageous enough to be vulnerable with the right people um, when things are actually hurting? Can you set boundaries for yourself to improve your relationships and to protect your own needs? Are you able to be gritty and tough and like get through it? Can you stop toxic relationships and not be a toxic human being? So those are the messages of the book that, as you mentioned, they're paired with role models, guys who exemplified these traits in like the craziest, most awesome <laughs> ways. I mean, you've seen it. You're like jumping and you read this book and you're jumping over the Great Wall of China. You're off-road racing in Mexico. You're climbing uh, in Yosemite up a 3,000 foot rock face. You're in yep. Antarctica hunting seals. You're an NFL <laughs> player. You're like in the Civil War. I mean, it, it is some crazy cool stories that these guys had to live by these traits in order to succeed at their quests. And I put the reader in their shoes as a rite of passage. 
and you write that it boils down to three qualities. Mastery of your mind, mastery of your heart, mastery of your guts. Yeah. So there's three training phases, and that's what they are. Training phase one is weapons mastery. That's like, how do you master yourself? Hmm. Uh, and that's master your mind in this this example. Yep. Next is your your defensive upgrades is what I call them in the warrior language. Yep. And that's master of your heart or how do you interact with other people? And then mastery of your guts, that's battleground selection. How do you choose a purpose and a mission in your life that is significant and meaningful and will improve the existence of everybody around you because of this this purpose that you've determined is yours? Talk to me about growing infinity muscles. What are they and why do we need them? Great question. So growing infinity muscles is this idea that whatever challenge comes your way, you can see that it's happened apart from reactivity. And what I mean by that is like usually something happens and we instantly react. Somebody react like, before you even think about it. Yeah. Before you even think about it, you just it's like you press a button and it hits a lever and you just are doing whatever it is that your mental programming has to do. Yeah. So infinity muscles are when you're able to take that split second pause and choose the best method to re to respond by choice versus reaction and by doing that you become a better person with intentionality. And so you, you grow each time that you do that and you're able yeah. to more easily choose that intentional response versus reacting. And that's how you essentially become a superhero over time. So are there any ways that we can, as parents, um, help our kids learn or grow their own infinity muscles? First thing I would say is give them this book and read chapter two with them, read challenge two. And I don't mean that as a sales pitch as much as it might sound like that, like just saying that, but like this chapter shows, here's how to do a body scan. Here's how to quickly scan over your, your physicality in order to see what's going on in your emotions. This chapter shows, here's how to do breath work to calm yourself down and how to energize yourself. And it gives a professional skateboarder as an example who launched himself over the Great Wall of China and who was self-aware in this moment because he had a broken ankle. Like his ankle was broken and he then launches down the biggest skate ramp ever created, biffs on the first too. one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wipes out. And then he's like, no, I'm better than that because he was self-aware. And he goes and he does a 360 over the skate ramp, <laughs> sticks the landing, <laughs> hits the quarter pipe that follows, goes 70 feet in the air. And it's just this insane story of this guy who had to calm his breathing, not react to these messages he was getting of, you can't do this, you got to stop from you know, everybody around him saying like, you don't have to do this. And he was, he made that intentional choice. Um, so how can parents help the young men in their life or the, their children, girls too, to do this? You can say, I'm going to learn this stuff myself first. And when my kid pisses me off, I'm not going to react, but I'm going to learn to find that space where I respond. And if you do that first, as an example, your kids are going to pick up on it and you can talk them through what's going on, even in your own struggles in the moment. Like, 
here's what mom's going through. Here's what dad's going through right now. Here's how I'm choosing to respond to this. I'm really pissed. This is what I would normally like react and how I wanted to act, but this is the better way to act. Yeah. That's how, as a parent, you can help kids to become self-aware. And I like this book because you bring in all these other role models who are really easy to look up to as a guy because they're super manly and they're doing this awesome stuff, but they also have these higher level skills that are kind of the next level of masculinity, I think. And uh, sometimes it's hard to hear things from mom and dad. And sometimes we don't actually have the skills that well um, to be able to teach them. So being able to look at these people who are exemplify these traits, like you say, is really helpful. I've, I've heard stories from parents who read this with their kids. And instead of saying like, hey, it's time to toughen up, they ask instead, hey, what would Ernest Shackleton do right now? <laughs> You know, the like, because they've read the book, kids read the book. Oh, oh yeah, that's my hero. What would he do? And then they process it and then they remember the lesson. Or what would Danny Way do right now? Or like, what would Holland, but any of these stories of these guys, it's like an easy example to point to and just ask that question um, of your son or or your student, if you're a teacher, you know, just like, what what would these examples do? And it anchors these values to, to real life people. Yeah, right. We remember things in stories, I think, so much better than we remember just facts. And so to have these um, lessons paired with the stories makes them really memorable and impactful. One of the themes that comes up a lot on this podcast is values. And I like where you talk about values. You have a whole list of values and you say, talk about, you know, picking the values that feel most authentic to you. You say your top values are presence, radical honesty, compassion, courage, and environmental consciousness. How can we help our teenagers to figure out what values are most authentic to them? I like the idea of creating a warrior creed Mm. with your teenager. Uh, I grew up as a boy scout and we had this motto that we said at every meeting and I can still repeat it today. And we also like, we had the scout oath in law and these are still things that stick with me. And if you look at special forces, each branch of the military has a creed that they memorize and repeat and know with the fullness of who they are, like they embody that creed. Yeah. So to create that warrior creed with your son is an incredibly powerful exercise because it, it kind of creates your own family's way of approaching the world. So there's a template for this in, in the book in challenge three and going through that exercise of saying like, first picking out what your top five values are and then plugging them into a statement that is your family's way of being warriors in the world is such an incredibly powerful exercise. And it puts you just in the mindset of kind of um, thinking about what's important to me and how do I want to live. And like looking as I've been reading this book, it's gotten me thinking about that. And then I saw something just the other day that was like a Native American saying that was the saying that every time the sun sets, it takes a piece of your life with it. 
and we should make the most of every day because, you know, you can't get it back. And, uh, you know, that was like, just really struck me, uh, after reading this book and thinking about my values, that that's an important value for me. Um, but I think getting in the mindset of kind of thinking about values like that, especially as a family would, you know, you start just noticing things like that and kind of collecting them, um, and, you know, adding them to your creed or, uh, however you want to do it. It's cool. If somebody's listening right now and thinking like, who's this crazy mountain climber guy who is going to tell my family how to think and believe? That's not at all what it is. This is me asking you to choose what your own values are. And that's up to you completely. Um, so I'm not being prescriptive here of these are the values you have to live by. Instead, I'm saying, like, determine what they are for yourself and in your family and in your your people, your tribe, so to speak. Figure out what protects and looks after those who are who are there and how you want to show up for each other and make that your creed make that your your statement of how we will live you write about a ted talk that you gave that you had a little bit of an interesting experience that happened during this TED talk. Can you talk about that? Of course. It was a TEDx talk and little bit is an understatement of an interesting experience. Yeah. It was a, um, a pretty life-changing moment for me. I had just finished climbing Everest and I thought that I was gonna give this speech like showing how much of a badass I was on top of the mountain and conquered this, this peak. And what happened while I was climbing was I came across a climber who was on his last breath. And he passed away. Uh, as far as I know, I was the last person to see him take a breath, but his team had left him for dead and I did everything I could to try and um, revive him. And after successfully climbing the mountain and getting back down, I never took the time to really process this. Well, when I wa walked on stage, the stage lights reminded me of the headlamps. And I just had this incredible flashback moment of like a headlamp in my eyes, there's the lights in my eyes. Um, on the stage and I was like in this otherworldly moment where I thought that I was back on the mountain while I was still delivering this speech and this was uh, what I now recognize as post-traumatic stress disorder um, and I was experiencing all the symptoms and denying that that's that I had anything going on I was just going to keep toughing it out and going through it um, and a friend of mine her name is Sandra she noticed that something was up when I was giving the speech. And I got through it to where I don't think you would really know that anything was wrong if you didn't know me, but those who did know me were like, yeah, something's up with John right now. Huh. And she said something that has stuck with me forever. She said, John, if you saw somebody who broke their leg and they kept trying to just walk around and pushing off that leg day after day, what would you tell them? I said, I would tell them they were being a fool, like they're just hurting themselves and doctors know how to put that back together. So why don't they just go to a doctor and get the cast and fix it? And she goes, exactly. And there are doctors who know how to put hearts back together and get minds back in the place that they should be and are meant to function in. And you're walking around with this broken leg, so to speak, heart. Hmm. And you don't need to be toughing it out like this because you can like you can be good again 
And there's this thing in our society that we think that if somebody has some mental health condition, that it's permanent, like they're always going to be experiencing that. And it's just not the case. Like you can not just like some, some need to be managed. Yeah. But others are completely curable. And that was my experience with post-traumatic stress, where now I look at it as that was my time of post-traumatic growth. And I became a better person as a result of that. And the courage that it took to go sit down on the couch at the therapist's office and talk through these, like, m- these incorrect mental messages that I was having, that work built me into a better person than I ever would have otherwise been. And now I don't qualify for any of the symptoms of PTSD, which is awesome. Like now I don't have it. Uh, but it only is the case because I said, yeah, I need to put a cast on this leg. I need to go yeah. see that doctor. Right. And there's something so, um, so masculine about just toughing it out and that we're not supposed to show any weakness. And so we should never have to have therapy or need anybody else's help. Um, and so I think it's really cool that you point out kind of the opposite, um, that it really takes a lot of strength and courage to, to do that. Thank you. I, I agree with you entirely. It takes incredible strength and courage. And if anybody out there is going through something right now, and I think a lot of us in this time and in, in history, a lot of us are reaching out to the right people, not just anybody. Like in that example, I went to a therapist who knew how to deal with trauma. Okay. You yeah. got to find the right people. It's not like you're like jumping on a bus and telling the bus driver all your <laughs> struggles. And hey, I got like, problems. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, like and it's not. And sometimes it's not your friend or it's not your part, your romantic partner. Right. 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 Like you can often create more problems in relationships like those because that person isn't qualified, and you right. got to find the right people to go to. And I think that the best place to start is in a is a therapist's office. And that's terrifying for a lot of people or they say, no, 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 that's not for me. It's not for you. Find the person that is for you. But I think that you're kind of just putting a calloused heart up and you're kind of just being ego defensive would be the argument I would really give somebody if they say, I don't want to talk to a therapist. Okay. Uh, I like your discussion of boundaries because, you know, boundaries are something that can be hard to set and maintain without kind of being a jerk. And the <laughs> masculine way to, you know, maintain your boundaries is to just say, no, that's, I don't, I'm not doing that. This is, this is how it is. But, or to just kind of shut down and not really say anything at all or kind of uh, avoid the topic. And it's actually, it requires a lot of vulnerability and, and higher level communication skills, I think, to mm-hmm. be able to like firmly set boundaries and like maintain the relationship with someone while you still say, hey, this is what I'm willing to do and this is what I'm not willing to do and talking through it with people. So I guess, can you talk a little bit about how we can help our kids set better boundaries and teach them to enforce them? Of course. Um, and this is why self-awareness comes first, because usually... And I have this response too. We just want to be like, no, don't do that anymore. Stop. I'm talking about this. I'm I'm not talking about it. (laughs) Boom, shut down. And we think that's like setting a boundary, which is not at all what it is because boundaries are meant to reconnect and to open up a conversation. And we think of boundaries like a wall. And that's not what they are at all when they're done effectively. So 
first becoming self-aware, the objective there is to identify or see with clarity what emotion you're feeling when somebody does something that you don't want to have happen anymore. Yeah. So we have really simple to do this. Like just think our three primary negative emotions are sad, uh, mad, and scared. And simply by stating that one of those three, and it doesn't have to be like, I have a combination of trepidation with, like, it doesn't have to be like a huge vocabulary, it's just sad, mad, or scared. Hey, when you showed up 25 minutes late, I was about to leave because I was super mad. Can you please not do that again? Just by giving that emotion, you're saying, this is a negative feeling that I'm getting from this relationship with you. I would like that not to be the case anymore. And you can even say like, I didn't want to feel mad at you, but I ended up feeling upset. Can you make a bigger effort to be on time? And then the last part of it is to give the, give the solution as though they had asked already, how can I make it better? I like that. It's like, it's like presenting here's how we can reconnect. Hey, when you don't check in, when you say you're going to be back at a certain time and I don't know where you are, I get really scared because I, I love you. I care about you and I worry and I don't want to worry. Would you send me a text if you're ever going to be late coming home again? There's the solution provided. I mean, it's really that like present the emotion and then present the solution and being being honest about that what is the emotion for you and then really thinking like what would improve this for me and that's all that self-awareness that has to come first you've got to learn to be self-aware before you can effectively set boundaries we're here today with john Beatty talking about how to help our boys grow up with kindness courage and grit and we're not done yet here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. Approach it as soon as you can so that it's a healthy discussion and there's no shame built around sexuality. When I've been around toxic people, I have tended in my past to make it about what's up with them? Like, is that a condition? Is this like, is this bipolar or is this a narcissistic personality disorder? Or is this like borderline personality disorder? And what I realized is that none of these actually matter because the only thing that matters is what's created within me. Yeah, if I was like, I feel like you're being really unfair right now. Yeah. That's not a feeling. That's you saying that I'm not acting up to your standards so just like you said just because you put the words i feel at the beginning uh -huh. it doesn't that's that, that doesn't no, that doesn't make it right yeah. <laughs> so it's got it that's so that's such a critical point it's got to be a legitimate feeling that is not a part of like your judgment upon what they've done exactly right so in the late example the buddy that shows up 25 minutes late and you already asked him that's like if you said i feel like you're completely disrespectful that's not a feeling that's an attack on him. But if you yeah. say, I, I got really mad and I don't want to feel that in this relation or in this friendship, that's legitimate. You can say that. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. 
you get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.